At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Your Village Podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So I have a few updates to share, then I will get right to the question. So the first, the book. Oh my goodness, the book. <laughs> it's all good. Um, we're getting really close. We're doing a last pass of edits, but it's really time consuming finding all the little errors. I'm sure I'm going to miss a few. I'm sure some of you will still find some of them, a missing comma or something here or there, the wrong word in, in some place, but... It's spell checked. But anyway, I'm working really hard to get it uploaded to Kindle Direct Publishing on Amazon by Sunday afternoon. It takes them 24 to 72 hours to get that live. So by early next week, it should be up. And I'll send out an email with a link to the newsletter. So if you're not on the newsletter and you're interested in getting that link right away, you can go to the website yourvillageonline.com and sign up for the newsletter. I think it's a pop-up if you haven't been there before. If you have been there before, I don't think it'll pop up for you. We probably have a page slash newsletter. You can try that. If you don't if you can't find that, you could just email amy at yourvillageonline.com and we'll have her uh, send out the link to anybody who wants it. Or you can just go early next week to Amazon and search for it. It is called The Connected Parents Guide to Toddlerhood, Seven Easy to Implement Fixes for Common Toddler Challenges. So you can look that up or probably look it up by my name. So I'll have both a Kindle and a print version. The printed version will be prettier, of course, and I'm not sure if the digital version can even format some of the appendix, appendix materials like toddler proofing guide or the discipline tools worksheets but it will have all the other great info and steps. So two good options, depending on your preference. Also, I did put up pictures of the first nine pages, including the extended table of contents on my Instagram account at ironmom2020, if you wanna check it out there. Okay, also, I interviewed last week for the No Guilt Mom podcast. 
So the episode will likely air in October and they're going to give me a date. And when I get that, I will pass that on to you. But it was really fun. Joanne and Brie were so fun to chat with. And it was just like hanging out with my girlfriend. So that was, I think, will be a really fun episode. I will send you all there to check that out when that goes live or when I get a date for when that's going to go live. Lastly, next week, I'm having another guest on the podcast We're going to talk about kids and money, and I'm really excited because I really like this guy's approach to talking about money, his own approach to money, and now he's um, he's been working with adults for a while, and now he is working with kids as well, and I absolutely love it, so I'm really excited to have him on next week. So this week, we're going to talk about helping kids with bigger life challenges. Now, the question itself is actually about helping kids through divorce. While I definitely address the exact concerns of any couple who is separating, I'm also going to tie it into how to help kids with big changes that parents make, decisions that parents make that do affect the entire family, whether it's a new sibling, a move, or what have you, because all these changes are big and they are things that we need to support our kids through, help them adapt and find the positives through it all. So for the question, hi, Erin, I started listening to your podcast about two years ago. It's been super helpful. I love how you explain the science in an easy to understand way and also provide concrete examples based on your own or your client's real world experiences. Anyway, sadly, my marriage is not working out. No particular fault on anybody's part, just incompatible or irreconcilable differences. That's what we filed for as well. We have a four-year-old daughter who we both love very much. Would love to hear your thoughts on how best to negate the impact, especially hearing from the podcast that you just went through this yourself. I've been reading about the unconventional arrangements of co-parenting marriages, rationally staying married for the kid's sake, but with the mutual recognition that the romantic relationship is dead, or divorced, but stay in the same residence to give children an intact home base. What do you think of the pros and cons of such arrangements? In addition, I have a couple of different but related questions. Knowing there's a no good age for parents to get divorced, is there a not so bad age range when negative impact to children is comparatively less? Do children tend to blame the parent who initiates the divorce? How to explain to them, is there a certain age when they can start to understand? Thank you, Karen. Okay, this is a huge topic. I could get really lost in it or go down some crazy wormhole just on one part of it. So I'm gonna try to keep my thoughts or I'm going to say not my thoughts, my deep thoughts to a minimum and just focus on the ideas and steps for supporting kids through this and other big changes in life and particularly the questions that Karen asked. So life is change. We expect it to be one way and so many times it sends us in a completely different direction. Now, I remember when we moved into our last house, I thought this was where the kids would grow up and we would stay there at least until they finished college. I had not planned to move my kids because my parents moved me several times and it was really hard on me, especially in ninth grade and then again in 10th grade. So you'd think after so many years of living on this planet, I'd be less naive about that life is change, about how nothing really stays the same and the better we are at accepting change and even reveling in it, the better life is or the easier life is. Well, both really, but we as adults often struggle with this too, and some more than others. And I actually consider myself pretty adaptable and I still get surprised by this all the time. So helping our kids accept and learn to enjoy the adventure of life's ups and downs and curves and loops 
many times becomes as much about us as it does about them. But we want to lead by example. So that means we have to stay one or two steps ahead of them, which means we often have to learn to accept what the change is and then how to cope with it. This next new challenge first before we can help our kids through it. So as most of you know, given my own situation, this is something I spent quite a bit of time researching when my kid's dad and I were trying to figure out what we were going to do about our own relationship. So first, it was everything I could get my hands on about marriage, how to make it work, why it fails, even in the most seemingly positive of connections. Is a happy marriage even possible for the rest of your life? All of these things, I dug in deep to this type of connection that we have created as a world, as a society. Then it moved to divorce, all the options to make it as gentle and amicable as possible and have as little impact on the kids as possible. So I have been through the gamut of all of this. As a lot of you also know, we're still co-parenting from the same home. But to catch anyone up who's new, their dad and I had a very friendly marriage. We worked together, we communicated well, we would pick up where the other left off, we both would pitch in. We were and are like a well-oiled machine. But like Karen, the romantic piece was done very long ago. And it was just something I couldn't stay in any longer. We are best friends, but we're not romantic partners. And we finally had to face that as the kids were getting older. Once it was no longer all about the kids in toddlerhood, just getting through the day, getting everybody fed and keeping them clean and getting them to bed and those types of things, we sat up and took a deep breath. And I didn't see a future partnership once the kids were out of the house. And I also saw a partnership where us together was really about the kids. We had to make some decisions about how to best approach our lives with this new understanding of the nature of our relationship as it stood and how to best support our kids. Now, financially, we couldn't run two homes, at least not to the same level as what we had together. I was making very little money at that time, so it would have meant child support and alimony, and I didn't want to do that to him or the kids. So we decided to stay together in the same home. I had an office in our house, and I moved into my office. At this time, almost everyone who feasibly could started working from home due to COVID. So he took the master bedroom as his room and his office, and I took the downstairs office as my now bedroom and office. Well, not now, but then bedroom and office. So my research showed that there's four key areas where divorce can affect kids in the short and the long term. What we're really concerned about is the long term, because of course, divorce is going to, or any, any change that we go through, a move, a new school, a new sibling, it's going to affect kids in the short term anyway, and the long term. But how we can make it a more positive experience. So one of those areas is financial. If there is a marked change in socioeconomic status, this is one area that can affect the kids to a big level, which makes sense. So this increases their stress, increases um, chances that they're not going to do as well academically, because it really just changes their world to a really large degree. So if you just think about how kids really thrive when they feel secure, when things are rel staying relatively the same. So Selling the family home, getting two different homes, now adjusting to all that, that's already a lot. You, then you add into that, if they need to go to a new neighborhood or two new neighborhoods, one or both apartments, now they're in two apartments instead of a house or in a town home, or they're in a new town or new school or a new area of town that, you know, that doesn't have all the things that they had access to before, they, you know, where, it's, where they can't walk home from school or where they don't have access to the parks like they used to, not having enough money for things that they used to do, or hearing one or both parents talking about trying to get to the next paycheck. That's really scary for kids. So that can really impact them. 
So if the parents are friendly and getting along, I am a big advocate for co-parenting from the same home or for getting an apartment and the parents switch out being in the family home with the child. And then they switch out to the apartment. So the parent, quote unquote, on duty is in the home and the other parent is in the apartment. Then they switch out. That works for some families as well. There's a lot of different options parents can do and do do, do do, to to work through this and to remain as intact as they can for the kids. So we have been living in the same house for three years now and it has worked really well. I'm not going to say we haven't had our points of contention, mostly me when I wanted to have more independence, when I wanted to kind of move forward in life and and it hasn't been an option, but I didn't want the kids to have to move to two new homes and I didn't want to have to tell them no to their sports or vacation or something they wanted to go do, go get a little bit of a snack after school, go out for ice cream because we couldn't afford it all because of a choice that I made that affected all of us. And trust me, I wrestled with that one in therapy for quite some time as I worked my way through it. Now, for some couples who separate, staying together just isn't an option, and that's understandable. But for those of us who can manage it, it's a really nice option. It really softens the switch to separate lives for everyone. And this has been a really nice time in our family, actually. It has helped their dad and I gel as friends and co-parents in a way that we probably wouldn't have done otherwise. And I realized that he's actually one of my best friends and we will always be family. And so I'm not losing that. And so I am extremely lucky. So when we get back after the break, I'm gonna talk about the other key areas that can either help our kids grow resilience or can be a detriment when we're going through big changes such as divorce and how to support them through these bigger changes in life. These later years of childhood have been flying by. As a mom, I wanna not just be available to my kids during these last years they have at home, but I wanna feel good and have the energy I need to keep up with their schedule and my own. So my health is a top priority. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and body back into harmony. You're not alone on your wellness journey. Every customer gets one-on-one support to help you meet your goals. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. A healthy gut positively impacts immunity, mental health, sleep, digestion, and skin health. It helps regulate digestion, immunity against bad bacteria, and improve nutrient absorption. The gut has been called the second brain because it contains more than 100 million nerve cells. It is a vitally important piece to our overall health, both physical and mental. So to make sure my gut is working at its potential, I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense to improve my digestion and nutrition absorption, boost my overall immune health, and help with sleep and stress as a bonus. Head to myeq.com and use code PARENTING for 15% off Equilibria's Microbiome Defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code PARENTING at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, By Heart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk. Alpha-Lac, as well as Lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. By Heart is an easy to digest formula. 
In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. BiHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about BiHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Now that we're back, I'm going to get to the other key areas that can affect kids negatively during a divorce or another big change and ways to support kids through these big changes. So I'm going to talk about some of the more unconventional parenting arrangements when couples do still get along because there's some things to think about, to think ahead about as you work through this, because the dynamics change this relationship. So this is something both parents need to really be on board with. How does our relationship change? Basically, you're now like really close roommates because you're arranging your lives around the kids, who's doing what and when, but you're also trying to disentangle your lives in some other ways, most likely. Do you each have certain times or days of the week where you're each free to go schedule social time? Do you tell each other where you're going or who you're with? What happens if one of you starts dating? What are the rules? And I don't mean the rules for each other, although that is a part of it. You you still need to be kind and caring with your partner because seeing your partner date is sometimes very difficult to do. Um, But it's really more about protecting our children. So that's number one, but also protecting our partner a little bit is nice because you still have a friendship, hopefully. So in our case, we did exactly this. Since we wouldn't be in separate homes and have that complete separation from each other and the kids, so I couldn't like live in my own house while he had the kids and go off on a date and nobody would be the wiser. We each had two nights a week that we could go out. So for me, it was mostly going out with girlfriends, especially at first. And we were each fine knowing if the other was going on a date. For both Corey and I, I wanted him to know where I was so that I felt safe and that someone was expecting me home and what time. I would text any updates about when I was coming home, where I was. As a mom, I felt like I needed to be extra safe. In our relationship, we did and do have each other's backs. We had a rule about introducing anyone new to the kids. So for us, it's six months of dating or longer before we introduce anyone. And then only if it's someone we're wanting to bring into our lives into a bigger way. Otherwise, there's really no point in introducing the kids to this person. At this point, though, neither of us has had that experience, but we trust each other to make good decisions about people we date. And at whatever point that happens, if we want to bring them into the fold, I I really trust him to that it's going to be someone who's a really good person. And he trusts me as well that it's someone who's gonna be worthy of bringing into our kids' lives. Now, how you manage all these things also depends on their ages. So for a four-year-old, and when our kids were younger, when we first started um, disentangling and going out and dating even, they were seven to nine, and we were always going out with a friend. You know, younger kids have no idea what dating is or what it means, but at this point, you know, now they're 10, 10, and 12, if it's a date, we will just say so. We have talked hypothetically with them about it. They know what dating is, that it's getting to know someone to see if you want to get to know them more or not. Now, of course, dating at 50 for us is different than dating will be for my kids as teens when they get to that point. So we keep it really general, but there are some things that are common. Basically, it's just a very different relationship dynamic that needs to be worked through with your soon-to-be ex or your co-parent living in the house. So really good communication is helpful. We even talked about feelings. If we were feeling a little bit jealous or we were feeling like the other person was getting to go out a lot or too much while the other person was, because if you know he was dating somebody and I wasn't, 
I was often like, go, you should go, you should have fun. And then I'd be like, you know what? It's a lot and I'm taking care of the kids a lot and I need a little more help. When it came to dating, we actually stepped in slowly so we could give the other partner a chance to get used to the idea. Of course, neither of us has dated in a very long time. So now that we're totally cool with it with each other, we have both been very single for quite a while. So I hope one or both of us gets to experience that sometime soon. So I mentioned that this could be a very detailed topic and I wanna get to everything. So this is gonna be a little bit longer episode. There doesn't seem to be a better or worse age overall for getting divorced. If anything, really young, like infancy, if you have to pick a best age because it's before they will really remember or even know. But I looked and looked. There are no real definitive studies that have been done that really take into account all the variables. You know, is there discord in the home while they stay married? Is there discord in the home during divorce? Is there less discord after they get divorced? Is there less discord? You know, it's just, there just has not been enough to really um, look at all the variables and then parse out just the age difference. So there's a lot of opinions out there, an awful lot of opinions out there, but I don't see a definitive study that really gives us a good idea of developmentally, is there a better age or not? So I would just say, as a human behavior specialist, that the fewer changes at a time, the better. And this goes for anything, any changes, a move and a new sibling, a divorce and changing schools, one thing at a time separated by at least three months, but preferably closer to six. So if your child is changing from elementary to middle school or middle school to high school, better to hold off a bit, let the changes settle in. So you just want to try to minimize the changes as much as possible. Really try to have a container or a place for your feelings and a place to put them so that you can allow your kids that time to catch up with where you probably have already been. You're going to be ahead of the kids. You already know about the divorce or you already know the marriage is is under stress. And so you're working through that while the kids are pretty clueless as to what's going on. So it's always going to be kind of a a catch-up process in a way. So when you're ready to kind of fly the coop, your kids are still trying to like, just they're reeling from the news. And so if you're able to hold it together for longer and allow them to catch up before you move out. Now with a four-year-old, this is gonna be a little bit easier. Three months, if this is the only change, it's gonna be a lot easier than it. Like I said, if you have a middle schooler or a high schooler or even a you know a nine or 10 year old, um, trying to keep it together for another at least couple months before you move forward is definitely helpful. Unless of course there's a lot of discord, then that's a completely different story to manage. Other areas that do tend to affect kids is the amount of discord between parents. So that's why I was talking about that. If this is, and this is true whether they stay together or you're separating. So if parents aren't separating, but they're just struggling through stuff and there's a lot of discord and they're trying to make a bigger decision about moving, there's a lot of fighting or hostility and stress. Like there's a big fight about a move or not moving or taking a new job or not taking a new job. The kids are gonna pick up on it. So whatever the change is, keeping this to a minimum, working through issues away from the children, having a disagreement and communicating respectfully is great. They learn from us. They're gonna learn this from us and it's great to give them that leadership in that area. But if things have the potential to get heated and they're tending to get heated, take them to a relative's house, stay with grandma and grandpa or an aunt and uncle, get a sitter and go out, go to therapy to work through it there. Anything like that is better than losing it in front of the kids and having a big fight in front of the kids. I spent a lot of time processing my emotions of guilt and sadness, etc., with friends, with my therapist, so that I could keep them relatively under control and under wraps when I was around the kids, which 
Also leads me right to the third area that can affect kids, which is our own mental health. Taking care of our own mental health helps us be in a calmer place, a healthier place to keep our emotions more even when we're with our kids. Because also, lastly, it's the quality of parenting. That's the fourth area because our mental health is going to affect our quality of parenting. So during times of stress, our parenting can suffer. We get less patient with our kids, then we're short-tempered and irritable. So doing what we need to do and keeping this as a priority, focusing on keeping our parenting as much the same as we possibly can. Big changes are tough, so staying as mindful as we can, trying to maintain this level or close to the same level of parenting is really helpful. If we can keep these four areas in mind, focus on them, then research is showing that kids from divorced homes are just as successful and happy in adulthood as those homes where parents stay together. Just going to cover a couple more points here that I think are really important, both with divorce and just any big changes. In general, when it comes to supporting kids, last week's episode was actually really great. We covered a lot of this with Dr. Nicole Birkins, where we talked about supporting kids' mental health in general, and especially during this pandemic with so much uncertainty. They don't know day to day if they're going to be going into school or going to be staying home. And they've been through a lot this last year and a half. So we need to be that role model and that leader. We're rolling with the changes or at least showing them that we are doing that as we work through these things on our own internally with our friends, with our therapist, but letting our kids know that we're there to help them through it, to help them problem solve, give them support where they need it, and even get outside support if warranted. Letting them know of the positives in any situation, be it a move, a new sibling, a new school, even a divorce, if you have some positive news, any positives that you can share of the situation. It's a little easier to find that with a new school or a new home, a new neighborhood, But even in divorce, focusing on the we still love you very much. That's very, very important. If you're staying in the same home, that's great news. So we talked about this with our kids. We explained that really not much was going to change for them, and it really didn't. We held that promise. We still run the house like we're one family. We take the kids on outings as a family. We eat dinner as a family. We each pitch in before and after school as a family. We don't have his days and my days. So that's a positive focus for families who do decide to stay in the same home and co-parent that way. Um, I want to say quickly about co-parenting. Whether you're in the same home or you're not in the same home, hopefully you are co-parenting. I mean, co-parenting is just parenting together. So the more you can connect and do that together, the better your co-parenting will be. But um, really connecting on that level, co-parenting can be done together or in separate homes. Also, last thing staying the same about staying in the same home is that if you go this route and later on move to two homes, just know that this is a two-step process, that once you do create a second home, it's another stage for everyone. So we're in this step right now. I'm in escrow. I'm about to close in 10 days. Have a couple of contingencies still left to close, but it's getting close. I'm struggling with this a bit. I'm sure that when I finally move and the kids have two homes and they see me packing boxes, it's going to be very hard for all of us. And I can see it coming and I can feel it. And I'm working through all of that right now so that I can be ahead of the kids when it hits home for them. Right now, my boys are excited because they're sharing a room and they will get their own rooms when I move out. So I'm really focusing on that with them. But it's just not real for them yet, I don't think. So you're going to have a two-tiered process. Now, some parents stay together and raise the kids until they go off to college. And that's great too. That makes it a lot easier if you can do that. But if you are going to at some point, while the kids are still home, move to 
that second tier, that final level of a second home, know that there's going to be a second process of separating and mourning the end of the marriage, probably for everyone. Lastly, kids can wonder what they did to contribute. So letting them know it's an adult problem, that the adults are the ones who can't get along or can't be together anymore, whatever the case may be. But the children are still loved very much by both parents. That is what they need to know. That is the security that they need. And then talking to them about everything that's going to stay the same and try to keep as much the same as you can. Now, the younger the children are, the simpler you can be in your explanations and that you need to be whatever the news is. So this is, like I said, a really deep topic with so much and so many steps and so many nuances and it's so different for every family. And I do have a three-part series on divorce on the website. Step-by-step, how to work through your own stuff. That's the first thing. You gotta work through your own stuff. Then you're gonna be communicating a lot with your soon-to-be ex, whether it's amicable, whether it's amicable or not so amicable, all the areas to consider as you head into them, from telling the kids to custody to dividing assets, go with a mediator or hire a lawyer, and then if so, what kind of lawyer? It covers every step of the way and a lot of options. Options for living in the same home, options for trading off, lots of custody options. Also for raising resilient kids, all the discipline tools classes, are tools for garnering cooperation while building a strong relationship. And that strong relationship is the foundation for their ability to cope and bounce back. Also the class teaching a gross mindset and raising responsible kids are also great classes for that. The raising responsible kids is not just about how to get them to clean up after themselves and when they're older, you know, balance a checkbook. It's also for taking responsibility for their choices and actions as they move forward in life so that they can be very capable young people and take responsibility for their lives as they move forward, which is a huge gift to them as well. And all of those are on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.